Well, it is good to see you here this morning, and good to see those again online. And we're working through a series of talks on authentic identity, and uh, we're trying to figure out again where do we where do we find our value, our purpose, our meaning, our worth? How how do we discover that? Uh, is it something that we find on the inside? Is it, is it something that we find from affirmation from the outside, from other people, or is it actually part of design? Is it part of what we believe is, is built into us and designed? And of course, uh, here we're followers of God's word, followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we're trying to do is look at God's word, understand how it is that we were designed by him, and how to find our identity rooted in that. And that's really what we're doing. So we've been looking at who are we really. Uh, we talked a lot about that. What does it mean to be our authentic self? Um, what makes you you, uh, what makes you unique will come in a little bit. In a sense, we're going to move on in this series as we move through, first, who are we as a people that God has created us to be? Like, why do we exist? Why are we here? Why did he plan for us to be here? And last week, we talked all about that we are designed to be a reflection, a reflection of his image, that we are, in essence, a child born of God, that we are brought into the world, that we're born of God. We're both physical and spiritual and we are designed in his likeness to be like him. We're his children to reflect who he is in the world. And so a huge part of why we exist is actually, I guess you would say, worship or to give him glory in just our existence. That we belong here to reflect who he is to creation, to the world all around us. And so we've been talking a lot about that last week. And uh, today we want to talk a little bit about kind of this idea of where have we been placed? Where have we been placed? This, this context of not just why we're here, but where we are in context or relationship to what is around us. And so we're going to look at that. Why are we or where are we? And the reflection of the creator moving into this whole idea of our role. Do we have a role? Where is our place in, in uh, this world? Uh, one of the things I've been reflecting on, I think sometimes uh, we forget that what Scripture says that Scripture is meant to be is, is a mirror, okay? So Scripture is a mirror. And so the, the idea is that, that we're supposed to look into Scripture and we're supposed to reflect or see the reflection of ourselves against the truth. And so when you see something, a lot of you have said this before once to you, <laughs> when you get up in the morning, you typically look in the mirror, Right? And uh, for some of you, that's startling, maybe. Uh, you look in the mirror, and most of you did something about whatever you saw, right? You, like, changed. Uh, you adapted a bit. You adjusted um, to present yourself. And so the Scripture's like that. And we're going to see things sometimes in God's Word that goes, oh, that's a little disturbing. That's, that's not what I thought I looked like. And so maybe I need to adjust how I view myself, how I view other people, and I make adjustments. Uh, what Scripture is not, it, it's not binoculars. <laughs> so it's not something that we look through to other people and project of what we read in here, and then we look at others and say, wow, they don't look like this. And so often in the world, this is where we get into trouble as maybe people of faith or religious people sometimes referred to or people who go to church or Christians, is that we take our beliefs that we believe is true of God's word and we project that onto other people. And we say, well, you need to look different. You need to change. 
And what I want to make sure that we do in this series, because we're talking about some significant things, is that we constantly remind ourselves, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? We're trying to see ourselves in who God has designed us to be. And if we're going to be followers of him, if we're going to represent him to the world, then it's our job to align ourselves to the truth of Scripture and allow God to do the work in others that he wants to do. And so it's important that we start with ourselves. And so we talked a lot about that. And implications of being in God's image means that, yes, everyone was designed to reflect God. Therefore, everyone has value. Everyone has purpose and meaning. And everyone's existence isn't just a physical existence, but it's also a spiritual existence. We saw in Psalm 139 that, that God is up close in designing us in our mother's womb even for existence with himself. That he knew us then. And so, of course, when we discover this and unpack that, it has a lot of implications on there's no place, of course, for racism, discrimination, hatred against other people, and abortion is another issue we have to wrestle with. Because if God is active in the womb, designing people to know himself, and they're spiritual, designed for his glory, we can't take what we want out of this life and intervene in what God is trying to do. And so we're going to move on a little bit, and we're going to go back into the book of Genesis, into the same little passage. We're unpacking a lot out of very few verses. I understand that. But what's important is that we always go back to design. Because if we look around the world, for sure, we would look at ourselves, and sometimes we look at other people and go, wow, they don't reflect God's glory very well. <laughs> you know, There's a lot of brokenness, a lot of hatred, a lot of anger, a lot of problems in the world. And surely that person isn't worshiping God by who they are. And so we see the brokenness. And so we try to make sense of the brokenness. But before we can make sense of brokenness, we have to understand what was the intent or the design. And what comes to mind is I remember when people came to Jesus. And they were trying to get him to take sides on these debatable issues. And one of the issues was on divorce. And they were trying to get him to, to say something about what was right or wrong or how do we deal with divorce and who is right and, and who's in the right position and who's in the wrong and all this stuff. And what Jesus did, what we're trying to do in the beginning of this series is say, but in the beginning. Yes, we deal with brokenness. We deal with hurt. We deal with sin. We deal with things that happen in this world. But in the beginning, he said, the way God designed things was that a male and a female would come together and be united for life. That's the heart of God. And so for us in the identity, what we're trying to do is not look at all the brokenness around us and try to make sense of the broken pieces and saying, well, now how do we deal with that? And how do we deal with this? And how do we deal with that? And how do we do that? What we're trying to do first is say, what was the design? What was the heart of God? And how do we do that? And I, I was thinking about some things. I don't know if you've ever you know, I, I love watching these posts and videos and stuff. You ever get them? They come on social media, and it's like things you didn't know or you're doing wrong. Because the design, you didn't know. And this oven thing really has literally burnt me several times. Like, that bottom drawer, in case you didn't know, is not to store pots, pans, 
tin cookie sheets and everything else. And what I found is that if you're using the oven for an hour or so, and you reach into there and you grab one of those tins, it really hurts. It's, it's extremely hot. So some of you are looking at me like you didn't know that. That's not what that drawer is. It's a warming drawer. It's meant to be hot. I always think they just don't know how to design things well. How can they just put some insulation in this thing or something? But the design is there, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but this takeout boxes, you ever gone, got Chinese food, those little takeout boxes or walk box and stuff like that? Did you know that's actually a plate? I didn't know that. It's been driving me nuts all these years trying to eat out of those things. You know that's supposed to unfold and lay out like a plate? I don't know if you knew that. I mean, I could go on and on because they're always fascinating to me. As you know, like, one of the things that always drove me nuts, and I remember actually picture my dad's here today. I remember him doing this a lot when he'd get a can of Coke and he'd put a straw in it. And you sit there, and it would eventually come up and then flop out. It's like, and I remember him trying to chase it with his mouth sometimes, trying to catch the straws before it falls out. But the little Coke top thing is actually you turn it, and it's meant that's where you put your straw through so it actually doesn't float up with the carbonation. Brilliant. So I'm not going to go on in that. But here's the thing. Someone put some thought into designing things well. And just because we're not aware of them, Sometimes we can get burnt or things don't work so well. And so there's a portion of the world out there who, who does not know that God has designed things a certain way to work. And so they experience frustrations in life and all kinds of confusion in life because it's not working for right. And they don't understand where their identity comes from. And so for us, for us to know that we have an identity from God is so important that we are able then to communicate and live a life of authentic identity before people so we can help them process as well. So where are we placed in this story in Genesis? There's three key things that we're placed in. We're placed in relationship with God. We talked about that last week, that we're designed to have a spiritual relationship, a relationship with God. We're put into relationship with one another. We're placed into community. And we're actually placed into this rest of this relationship with creation. And I, I think this last one, I'll be honest with you as I go to preach on this, this last one, I, I barely have ever heard anything about it from a Christian perspective. And, and I don't totally understand it, and yet here I am going to talk about it. And I think there's something really important about this that we're seeing, again, in the world as not really caring about this other relationship that God places into, which is nature, creation, that we're actually given a role in Genesis that we're supposed to be about something in this world besides ourselves. And so I often will talk about, of course, preach on you know, our relationship with God and with others. But there's something unique in Genesis that we were designed again to have a relationship with creation around us. And somehow in church circles, I'll be honest, there was a little bit of a, a time frame in history, in our history when Christians were some of the worst when it comes to relating to creation well, because it was kind of like, well, one day it's all going to be thrown out anyways. It doesn't really matter. It really kind of happened. I don't know if you were, grew up in that, where it's like, parents are like, whatever, it's all going to burn up someday. So, and I was like, well, actually God cares about creation. And he's actually given us a role. And here's the thing I want to expand this a little bit. I want us to understand that these three relationships are actually all interconnected throughout all of Scripture. Did you know that? 
that these relationships actually belong together, and there's something connected there. And I find this in many passages, but I want to show you the prophet Hosea when he was given a message to go to God's people, and he says this to them, look, the Lord has brought some charges against you as my people, as my image bearers in the world. In other words, you're my people, you're supposed to represent who I am, you are supposed to do certain things, and here's what I have against you. One, there's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in your land. In other words, the, the people here aren't in relationship with me. They don't know me. They don't care about me. And then as a result, I believe this is a result thing, as a result, well, you're making vows to people, but because you don't understand vows are important to God, that you break them, you kill, you steal, you commit adultery. And there's violence everywhere, one of murder after another. So because you don't, we saw this in Romans chapter 1, we went through Romans, because when you fail to worship God or acknowledge God or know who God is, what comes in its place is worship of self. And I really think this whole identity, if I was to come down to the crux of the issue of identity is this, if God is not the center of who you are, the center has to belong to someone and typically it's ourselves. And so when you forget God or don't acknowledge God, you become more important and therefore you take advantage of other people and you do what's best for you. And this is what he says on the third part. That is why no relationship with God, your relationship with people is a disaster, you're selfish people. That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are disappearing. When we forget our identity and who we are made to be in the creation story, we not only damage, we don't have a relationship with God anymore, but it damages our relationship with other people. And when we're putting ourselves above other people, eventually the ramifications go into the land itself, into creation. And this is why, again, in Romans, it talks about, in Romans 8, that creation is groaning, waiting for the day when full redemption will take place. Because creation is broken. And we're experiencing things in our land, I believe, in the world today of brokenness. But that brokenness, according to God's word, comes from a source of no longer acknowledging who God is. The ramifications are destruction of relationships with other people. And what suffers in the midst of that is actually creation itself. The result of sin isn't just between us and God, it's also between us and people, and also impacts creation around us. It's a theme throughout all of Scripture, actually. So I want to go back into this Genesis passage, that we are created in the image of likeness of God, and so we read this last week, this part, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, and then there's a, a we skipped this one last week for a good reason, we have time, so that... We're going to make him like us so that this, this, these people can do something like us. I really believe that today. Well, let's unpack that a bit. We're going to make him like us so that they're able to do something. So that what? They can rule over fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in his likeness, Right? In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Put a pin in that one. I know we're dying for that one. It's coming next week. I'm still stressed about it, but happy Mother's Day. It should be fun. So we'll talk about that. And we talked about this image thing being really important, but I think it, I think it comes down to this, this 
um, connection to creation in a real profound way. And so he goes on and he said, so he blessed them and he said to them. Now, I, I read that and I read that really fast and I thought, wait a minute, this is like, this is like you know, a ship being launched. Or, or this is like when someone um, inherits a new role or position. And, and you guys did this for me as a pastor. When, when I come and you, you commission. This, this is a, a blessing of a commissioning into their future. So God created them. He put them in the garden. And he commissions. He blesses them. He anoints them in a sense to do something. It's not to do nothing. I know, I like to picture the garden eating like that a little bit too once in a while because, like, <laughs> it's, you know, I think sometimes that would be really nice for heaven. It's just really relaxing. You know, like, just, just did nothing. It was great. They sat around. All, that's not what we're designed to do. We're commissioned to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Interesting words as I dug into that. Rule over, again, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. This idea, this concept, was the same kind of root word of this idea of subduing was when God took the world and it said it was formless, right? Void of shape. And God took this empty chaos and he took it and formed it into creation. He formed it into the world around us. He formed the oceans and the mountains and the animals. He took from nothingness and he created and he formed it. And here's what he's doing. He's going to mankind. He's saying, here's your job now. I've given you this and I'm placing you here to continue, I really believe, continue the work of creation. To continue to form, to shape the environment around you. I want you to subdue it. I want you to develop it. I want you to be productive. I want you to increase. I want you to fill this world. I want you to design. Interesting. God created not a complete blank slate, but he created an opportunity for them in his likeness to continue to work. So you remember it said that God worked and God worked and God worked and then God worked and then God worked and God rested. And what this is, is a commissioning for us to be in his likeness to continue to work. That we're going to work now. We have something to do. And this is, unfortunately, this is before sin and before the fall. <laughs> so work, work for us, for believers, for followers of Jesus, for believers of the truth, is something that God has designed us to do that actually fulfills part of our identity and glorifies him. That we're called to produce, multiply, be fruitful. And I don't think it's just about having kids. <laughs> I know that went really well many generations ago as well. But I think it's much, much deeper in that. It's that being in the image of God, that there's something that's different about us than the rest of creation. And we're designed to be a part of creation at a whole different level. And in fact, we've been given an assignment to be in control, to govern, to rule, to reign over top of what God has created. We exist to accomplish what he began. 
in the world. I think that's his design. Now, like I said, I want to keep bringing up, just because we see brokenness of it, and we say, well, I don't know if people are actually doing that. Well, that's not, that's not the point. The point is, again, the design of us was to continue the creative work of God in a way that glorifies and honors him. And like everything in creation, including our relationships, there's a brokenness there in which people are active in the world today, and you probably can see their activity, and it's, it's not glorifying to God whatsoever. But in the beginning, but in the beginning, our purpose is to work, to continue. We've created for the purposes of God. So God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. I was reading some fascinating books because there's not, there's not a ton out there I've already read on this whole idea of creation. And one author put it this way. God, listen to this, this is interesting. Because I'm just putting it out there. God expected Adam and Eve to eventually split the Adam. He didn't just expect them to have babies and plant trees. If you think about it, and then I realize that in Revelation, the describer of what happens in Revelation, of what comes where God reigns, is actually a, I said this to someone this week, and they said, oh, that's depressing, <laughs> a city. It's a city. And so again, I think this is so shifting in a sense because we're living in a culture today that not only just sees the damage of humanity in the world today, which I got to admit, there's a lot of damage out there, but actually views humans as really, I've heard these words, as a parasite. A parasite in creation. And in other words, we're here destroying creation. We have to save creation from people. But in the beginning... God designed people for creation. It's actually pretty fascinating when you think about it. We were meant to exercise dominion over creation, turning the entire earth into a showcase of God's glory, his beauty, his majesty, and that the things that we would do would actually bring glory to him. The work of our hands, the, the carpentry, the building, the expansion, the arts, the music, all this creative work, this imaginary work that we would do would all bring glory to God because he's gifted us something so unique in creation, the ability to be like him. So these uniquenesses that we are actually, <laughs> I know I feel stretched by saying this, so it's okay if you feel stretched, let's just think about it together that we were actually placed as God's almost co-creators and developers of this world. That, that creation, imagination, and expansion was part of God's design. It wasn't a, a, a reaction to something bad that happened in the world. It was actually part of what he wanted. He wanted them to expand and explore. And I'll even use the word conquer in a positive sense, or to rule over or tame Tame the land. This idea of work and development and production is actually all throughout Jesus' teaching. And it started coming clearer and clearer. It's like a lot of what Jesus talks about is that there's a day coming when, you know, we're going to get there. And he's going to ask us questions about, so how did you, 
how did you function in your life? And, and as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're taking part of communion. We know that our conversation with God is not whether we've been, um, our sins have been dealt with or we're covered or we're going to get into heaven anymore. But I still believe there's a conversation that Jesus alludes to over and over again. There's a day coming when we will stand before the master and he'll look at our work. And he'll say, so what did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? Your skills, your intellect, your ability, your imagination. Did you invest it for my glory? What did you do? And for those who were faithful in what he had given them for abilities and talents and access, he says, I'm going to put you, what, in a garden to sit and relax? That's not what he said. I'm going to put you in charge of more things to own, more things to rule over. This idea that if God has placed us in the world to actually rule, to create dominion, to create, to produce, and we do that for his glory, I believe the well done, good, and faithful servant means eventually in, I don't know if I should say this to you, some of you were not looking forward to this, but I think in the kingdom to come, there's more work. And for a believer, that should give us joy because that's part of what we're designed to be. And I think even you get those moments. Have you ever got those moments where you're doing something? Maybe you're not paid to do it, right? But you're doing a work. And you feel the pleasure of God in doing that. And you go, what is that? When I paint, when I minister, when I serve that individual, when I smiled at that person, when I helped them when they were in need, I felt something. What was that feeling I had? I felt it's the pleasure of God in doing, doing work that he designed in advance for you to do that brings him glory. It's amazing. I think one of the damages of the church, really, I'll own it, is that we've, we've separated things like the Lord's work and then work. Or things like, well, some people work to make money to support the Lord's work. That's horrible. Because a pastor, can I apologize to you? That's, that's, not, that's not biblical. Yes, we function as a church off tithes and offerings, but that's, that's part of what we're supposed to do in creation. That's part of what we, that we're supposed to do is offer that back as part of worship from the very beginning, in the beginning. To take part of what we produced and we return it to the Lord. So that's true. But every kind of work has a potential to bring glory to God. It's all the Lord's work if you're doing it for his glory. It's amazing. He's given us authority, but it means he's entrusted things to us, which means that there's accountability to it. There's coming a day. Well, the significance, the uniqueness of humans and creations and God's co-workers of blessing in the world, we're actually seen throughout Scripture, and this is another massive theme that sometimes gets hidden, that we're seen as uh, co-workers of blessing in the world. That for those that would be called by his name, those that would worship and follow his word, that we've been called into being a blessing in the world to everyone, not just those called, but to everyone. And so we saw at the fall, remember we talked a little bit about this last week, at the fall, then 
sin came in and marred everything. And so God would, God would choose a person to say, would you, would you be the person that I can be blessing through other people? Would you still honor and worship me? And so we read often God scoured the world and he found a guy like Noah and said, would you be the conduit of blessing in the world? And he called out Moses, and he called out Abraham, and he called us, would you, would you be the person that I could be a blessing to the world through? And so in the church, I believe it's exactly the same thing. In the church, he's called us, he's redeemed us, he's empowered us, he's gifted us. Would you, as the church, be the conduit of blessing in the world? Not in, not in gathering together like this, <laughs> This isn't not wrong, of course. It's awesome. But this isn't, this isn't how we're going to be a conduit of blessing to others in the world. But by being in the world, not of the world, but in the world, that we would work and that we would share and we'd minister and we'd be fruitful in what we do and it would multiply the blessing around the world. The irony of God that actually frustrates most of us, if we're honest, is that God doesn't act when we want him to act because he wants to use us to be his conduit in the world. I don't know why. I think right from the beginning, when I read in the beginning, this is what God did. God could have filled the earth and ordered it and everything else and set up all the kingdoms and all that stuff. But he, he allowed us to be the imagination people, the creative people, the designers. He's allowed us to participate. And even in the redemption story, even in the redemptive process where since brokenness has come, that he wants to redeem the world, he sent his son Jesus Christ in the world, which we'll celebrate again today, to provide a way for people to be redeemed to the Father. And yet he is still given the work the redemptive work to the church. You think, I, I don't know if that was a good idea. That's what I think some days. But in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, you are now his ambassadors. You now represent his heart. You now go out and tell others about a new way to be right, made right with God. He's left the work still in our hands. And so the work doesn't go away, but it has meaning and it has purpose for all of us. So God's design for our identity includes work, yes, glorifying God by serving my neighbor, by investing my life for the blessing of others. And one of the stretches I want you to do today as we finish up, I want you to think about, what is it that I do? Maybe I'm paid for it and maybe I'm in a season where I'm not being paid, but what is it that I do today that God has given me for work that if I were to do it for his glory, I could see it as being a blessing for others. Would it change the way you get up in the morning? Would it change the way you go to work? That God has given you a specific skill, a specific task, and a specific time to simply be a conduit of blessing in the world. He did this back in Genesis again, and he said this to Abraham when he said, I'm going to pick you, I'm going to pick you, and I'm going to develop a people who follow me, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you popular, famous. And you will be a blessing to others. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God's design and heart is that whenever he pulls someone aside and he has them in a relationship with himself, 
is that he says, through you, through you in your neighborhood, through you in your workplace and with your coworkers, through you in your family, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing in Abbotsford. I want to be a blessing in your family. I want to be a blessing in the workplace. Your neighbors, I want to be a blessing. But for some reason, God has said, I will do that through you. And so what is our response? Well, we know that our identity then is to bring God's glory. We saw this in Romans 11. If everything comes from him and exists for his power, if everything is intended for his glory and all glory to him, and if this is true, brothers and sisters, then, then I plead to you, if you're designed for God's glory and we're designed to be a blessing, then would you please give yourselves, give your body, give your work, give your time, give your energy, give your resources because of what God has done for you. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is the way you worship. The way that we worship is by putting our entire life into God's hands and align ourselves with who he says we are in our purpose and our fundamental identity to reflect him in the world. And I'm talking today is about our work. And so many times we struggle with this because we think, I work to live. <laughs> I work to live. I work to retire. I work to have a different future. But what if the work that you have today is actually an opportunity to be the blessing? What if your work today is a form of worship? I don't know if you've ever read The Practice of the Presence by Brother Lawrence, like 400-year-old book written by a monk. And his only job was to wash dishes in the monastery. He wrote a great book, you should read it, where he had to wrestle through how is it that this work that God had given me to do to wash dishes could be meaningful, purposeful, and bring glory to God. And he wrestles through it, and he writes it down, where he comes to the conclusion that every day when he washes his dishes, it is a form of connection and worship to God, to be a blessing and to serve others. So Colossians says this, well, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward. For what? For your work. And the master that you are serving is Christ. We see lots in Paul's teaching about this. You may think you serve a master. It might be a good master, a bad master, a good boss, a bad boss. But because we're in relationship with God, we're in relationship with Christ, we see that as an opportunity to serve as if we're serving the Lord. I'm going to pray. We're going to have the elders um, going to come forward. We're going to serve communion out. So you can stay in your seats and we'll pass out a cup and we'll pass out the bread. And take a cup and take a piece of bread. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the reason we do this is the bread represents that the brokenness of the world was laid on Jesus. That Jesus became broken because of the brokenness of the world. 
And his blood represents the sacrifice that he made to atone for our sins, that we could now be made right relationship with God through the atonement of our sins of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And so this table is not Heritage Alliance Church table. This is his table. And so whether you're from this church or not, if you are a follower or believer and trust Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you, this table is also available for you. And ask the elders to come forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask for forgiveness, I think, because we, we, we often look at our life and we, we separate things out. We separate things out. What's, re, what's, um, what's yours? What's ours? What's sacred? What's not? And I, I pray that we would learn today that you have placed us in a relationship with you so that everything we do would bring glory to you. And, and we're not to live a fragmented life. <laughs> we're, we're to live a life that brings glory to you in every facet, that we would lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. And we do that today out of a response because you did that for us. Paul said, because of what you've done for us, because you would go to the cross, that you would take our sin upon yourself, that you would pay for the penalty of our sin, that you would become broken for the brokenness of the world, that we may be whole, that we may be redeemed, that we may continue the redemptive work in this world. And so today we take part we remember your broken body. We remember the shedding of your blood for us. And as a response of remembering and taking part, we also then commit to present ourselves back to you as a living sacrifice. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.